Hey, okay, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we're in a series called The Man Who Had Everything, and we've really been having a discussion about a character from the Bible by the name of Samson, because he would be that guy. He would be the guy that when you looked at the way his life started and you go, how did he get to the front of the line? I mean, God already has tapped him to do something amazing in his life. He's endowed this guy with superhuman strength. Uh, he apparently is amazingly good looking because women uh, follow him everywhere he goes throughout the story. I mean, the guy, the guy just was born with the silver spoon in his mouth. And by all accounts, when you begin the story of Samson, you'd go, this, this, there's no limit to what this guy is going to accomplish. I mean, it's so obvious that God's got something for him, that he's totally equipped him to do it. And this, this story is going to turn out remarkable. And the interesting thing in the story of Samson, which is really only four chapters there in the book of Judges, is that instead, instead of this remarkable story, you and I end up with a story of disappointment. You and I finish at the end going, how, how could a guy take so much and do so little? How, how is it possible for that guy to live such a disappointing life? He's the, he's the guy who had everything. And uh, we've been talking about this, and we've said we've identified uh, what happens in his life as Samson syndrome, that what causes him to have such great beginnings, such great potential, and end so poorly uh, is Samson syndrome, which we've said is two things. And the first was this, that Samson uh, intuitively leans into his own abilities, that when there's a moment for a decision to make, he believes his intellect is strong enough. Whenever there's a problem to be fixed, he believes his physical strength is capable of handling that problem. That, that he naturally, over and over again, finds himself having already made decisions, already gone directions in his life. He's never prayed about it. He never consults God over it because he feels he's adequate for everything that goes on in his life. And so he constantly leans into himself rather than taking a moment and pausing and saying, look, I, maybe I could fix this, and, and maybe I could figure this out, but would that be what God wanted me to do? Would my solution be a God solution? And instead of leaning into God and consulting God first in his life, he always consults himself first. He leans into his own ability and capacity. Last week, we kind of got into the second side of Samson syndrome. So not only is there this improper lean into our own abilities, but the second part of it is this is a guy filled with pride. And we're going to watch over and over again for the next couple of weeks how pride comes back to bite this guy. And last week, pride showed up in this thought that Samson believes he's beyond any input. He doesn't need anybody else to speak into his life. He doesn't need anyone else to influence his life. And there were moments Samson would say, no, 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 I, I know it's probably not the right thing to do. I'm just going to do it anyways. No, 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 no. Whatever that is, it'll never happen to me. And he excludes other people's comment, other people's input into their lives. Now, here's why we've been saying that this is an important series. Because although most of us in this room would say, hey, I don't, I don't know that I was ever born with all the capacities this guy's got. I do intuitively within my heart know that I was born for something and that God has hopes and God has expectations for my life. And the last thing that I would ever want to do is to get to the end of my life and have all my friends to have God say, wow, that is, that is so much less than what their life could have been. And yet here's the thing that ought to concern all of us. We all have a little bit of Samson in us. We all struggle a little bit with Samson syndrome. Today, uh, Samson's pride 
is going to cause him to be a rule breaker. Uh, he's going to come to a moment when he knows what he ought to do. He knows what the right thing to do is. He just believes he's beyond the rule. Uh, the rule does not apply to him. Uh, the rule doesn't make any sense to him. And so he's just going to choose in this moment to ignore uh, the rule. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles and go with me to this part of the story in the life of Samson. It's Judges chapter 14. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the front of your Bible and then work to the right, you're going to find this book of Judges. Judges chapter 14. We're going back into the story that we've been kind of unpacking the last couple weeks. It's this moment in which uh, Samson sees a young lady uh, from the Philistines, the enemies of God, and he decides uh, even though he knows better that he's going to marry her, uh, and this is part of that story we're diving back into today. It's, it's Judges chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 5. Here's what it says. Uh, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and his mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward them, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as you might have torn a young goat. So, I mean, think about this, guys. I mean, his physical capacity is so off the hook that a lion comes after him, and the Bible says he wrestles and flops the way you would with a baby goat. This guy has got remarkable uh, capacity. Uh, verse 6. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, power, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as one might have torn a goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave some to them, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now, uh, upon reading that part of the story, you go, well, I, I, no big deal, a little bit gross. I mean, you know, eating honey out of a dead lion's carcass. There's more to it than that. Samson has been set aside from birth. Matter of fact, God has already foretold and said, look, he's going to be a Nazarite, which simply meant this. He is going to be a man set apart for God's work, and he's going to take the Nazarite vow, which really involved basically uh, three things. One is, there's never going to be a razor to his head. He's never going to cut his hair uh, for his from time of his birth throughout his entire life. He's not to cut his hair. He's not to drink alcoholic beverages. And then the last one is, uh, he is not to have any contact with anything that is dead. Uh, those are just three things I'm asking him to do that will constantly remind him. Every time he looks in the mirror and sees his hair, every time he withstains uh, from the... He'll know that he's been set apart for the purposes of God. Now, here's the deal. Samson knows this. He's been raised by godly parents, and he knows that th these are the rules. This is, this is what God has required of him. Matter of fact, uh, this is the reason, did you catch it in the passage? He does not tell his parents where he got the honey from. Because he knows. He knows this is the rule. So let me ask you a question. So why does he do it? 
I mean, isn't it interesting? I mean, you think about it. It's, it's not like this is like a place of major temptation in his life. I mean, this isn't, you know, honey is not, you know, that thing that he is always lusting after or he's always tempted to do. He's not sweating beads of restraint as this happens. It's not like his life is under a ton of pressure. I mean, it's not like he's gotten caught in a moment or, or there's a big business deal that's going to go bad if he doesn't lie. I, it, it's not like circumstances have made it look like there's no other way out. We'd maybe understand that. So why does he do it? You know what the answer is? He thinks the rule's stupid. He just goes, look, I... I it just makes no sense. I, I mean, it, it just seems like a kind of a dumb rule. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see any real benefit in it, and therefore, I'm going to ignore it, because here's the deal. I see the benefit in the honey. I'm hungry. And, and the rule just kind of looks dumb. I mean, so no. I'm, I'm not going to do the rule. You and I have had a Samson moment in our lives too, haven't we? You and I have had moments in our lives where the command of God, whatever he said in Scripture, whatever that was, and we looked at that moment, we went, that, that's a dumb rule. I, I, if I were God, I wouldn't have decided that. I, what? Young ladies, it's, it's when God says, hey, dress modestly. And you thought, I, you're never going to get a guy doing that. I, I, I mean, you got to be competitive, right? I mean, you've, you got you to put it out there. I, dress modestly. If I dress modestly. See, here's the deal. I, I see the advantage of breaking the rule. I mean, I want the honey. Or I want to be the honey. But... Uh, I think the rule's kind of dumb. This is, this is dating people who don't know you're Jesus. And you go, look, I, I mean, nobody's asking me out. And, and they are, and I know, I know the rule, do not be unequally, I get it. But the rule doesn't work very well. I can see the benefit of breaking the rule. I'm not seeing a whole lot of benefit in keeping the rule. We do this with entertainment. See, uh, they come on and they go, hey, uh, three premium channels, HBO for three months, half price. And you go, no, no, I, I know, I know, I know the, the Bible says put no wicked thing before your eyes. I get it, but I like movies. Half price. And I, I mean, I see the benefit. I, I just, I'll turn the channel. See, truth be told, there's a little bit of Samson in all of us. So here's what I'm asking you to do. As we, I just want you to take a moment. Because chances are, chances are, most of us in this room know the rule. You know the rule. You know the thing that God has asked you to do. That when you took a look at it, you said, that's dumb. Why would I do that? 
and you've chosen to ignore the rule. So I just want you to take a moment, just I, really, I want you to pause right and just go, what would that rule be for you? What, what is it that you know God would want you to do that you've just said, no, I think that's a dumb rule and, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. For some of you, it's tithing. You just go, no, no, not going to do it. For some of you, it's serving. And you've gone, no, no, I, no, I get it. I get that God says I'm supposed to use my spiritual gifts, I, but I just don't have time. It's a dumb rule. So I'm just going to ask you, what is that rule that you've looked at and said, no, no, I, I, I see the honey, but I, I don't see any benefit in that? Here's what Samson misses. And it's what I hope you and I do not miss this morning. He misses the whole principle of reaping what you sow. This is interesting because he actually grows up in a farming community, in an agrarian society. You would, you would think he would understand this. But here's, here's the deal. See, Samson's leaving in a moment where he says, hey, uh, apparently breaking the rule has no big deal and, and nothing happened because I did. So breaking the rule is all right, and what he misses is this whole principle of you reap what you sow. So let me, let me give you uh, a passage. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6, because it talks about this principle in our lives. Galatians chapter 6. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find it. Galatians chapter 6. Starting in verse 7. Here we go. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It's this principle of when you and I decide to autocratically just say, hey, God, I, I, the rule makes no sense to me. I don't understand why you're at. Now, and the truth is, I'm going to veto it. I, I'm just, I'm just going to pass on that one. Here's what it says. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, do not be deceived. Don't kid yourselves. God cannot be mocked. So look, look, look. See, you think you're flying so low below the radar that God's not going to notice when you break the rule. See, see, what you're thinking is, is God's got a lot of other stuff and he's too busy with other things, and so he's never going to get around to dealing with you in the rule. And he says, well, look, look, don't, don't kid yourselves. God is not mocked. You're not going to pull a fast one on God. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Okay, so here we go. Three things that you need to know about the principle of sowing and reaping. And the first principle is this, that the reaping always happens later than the sowing. See, here's what I guarantee you what happens. Samson reaches down, he cups out the honey, and nothing happens. Samson thinks he's home free. But what he's missing is this, that reaping always happens somewhere away from. The consequences and the discipline of my bad decisions today always happen somewhere in the future. I'm five years old. My dad has built in the backyard this man-sized, huge sandbox for us kids. It was amazing. I mean, it was massive. I killed hundreds of Germans in that sandbox. I mean, it was just an incredible place. 
And one day, uh, our family had made popcorn. I came up with the great idea. What if I planted popcorn in the sandbox? So I took all this popcorn and I started spreading it out and put it in our sandbox. I went out the next morning. Guess what I saw? I thought, something's wrong. The popcorn is broken. So I started watering the sandbox. I went out every single morning, looked in the, watered the sandbox for a week. Guess what I saw? Two months later, my dad comes home from work one evening, happens to remember he needs to get something out of the backyard, walks into the backyard. Anybody want to guess what he saw? Corn all over the sandbox. Because, 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 you ready for this? Reaping always comes sometime later than sowing. And see, Samson in the moment goes, well, no, no, no. See, I did it and, and nothing's happened. Nothing's gone on in my life. Which, guys, here's, here's what we do. See, we go, no, 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 no. Lynn, what, what do you mean sexual sin? Man, I've been sleeping with whoever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to, since the time I was 16. And nothing's happened. No bad consequences. Nobody's gotten pregnant yet. I mean, you know, no one's caught a disease yet. So you and, you, you and I just keep, you ready? Plant and seed. Because nothing's happened yet. Anybody want to guess what happens when you keep planting seed? Someday it's harvest. Which really in many ways brings us to the second principle about sowing and reaping. You ready for this? You always reap more than you sow. Because the principle of sowing and reaping is unfair. Matter of fact, you, you, drop, you drop one kernel in the ground and, and, and you get a whole cob out of the deal. You, you started with one seed, you get back hundreds of seeds. Because the principle of sowing and reaping is unfair. And so what's going to happen in, in your life, in my life, as we just, as we just keep going, well, you know, not, nothing's happened yet. And I, when the harvest comes, it will not be fair. You'll go, God, how come? Why, why is the consequence so big? Why, why is it so devastating in my life? This isn't in proportion. You're right. Because sowing and reaping is never fair. Yeah, I hope, I hope you as parents that you do not discipline fairly. I hope you don't. I, here's the deal. If, if your kid does this and your discipline is this, if your kid's anything like my kid, you know what they're going to say? Well, dude, that's a fair exchange. I'll do it again. 
I'll do it again. I mean, if I do that, all I get is, sheesh, I'll trade that all day long. You realize your, your, your goal as a parent is not fair. Your goal as a parent is to discipline your children in a way that they go, by golly, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and here's what you just need to know. Your heavenly Father loves you enough to discipline you unfairly so that you'll never do that again. Third principle. Reaping and sowing goes both ways. When you and I plant seeds of disobedience, when, when you and I say, look, I, you know, I don't care about the rule, I'm just going to do it anyways, nothing's happened yet, and we just keep planting, then Scripture says you and I are actually planting the seeds of our own destruction, the seeds of our own discipline. But it goes both ways. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again and go back to Galatians. Verse 8, here's what it says. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in good doing, for at proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So think about this. What if? What if you and I change the seeds? What, what if today you and I took the very places that we've been disobedient, the very places that God, I'm not going to do that, and what if those became the places of righteousness and obedience? What if, what if the very thing we've argued the most with God about became the place we were most obedient about? And what if you and I began to sow, ready for this, into our very same lives, seeds of righteousness? then you and I would be able to expect a crop, wouldn't we? But it would be a different crop than what we had been sowing up until now. And, and think about this. And then all the things come true. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And when he reaps, it will not be fair. What God does back for you and I will not be in proportion to what we've done for him. It'll be unfairly better in our favor. So I'm just going to ask us today, what, what would it take, what would it look like if you and I took the rule we least like and made it the rule we most obey? Last week when you came in and some of you got up today, we gave you cards that look like this. The man who had everything, and then, then on the back it's got some spots. If you don't have yours today, we've got them in the seat back right in front of you. Last week we said, hey, uh, we want you to write down the names of three people that can speak into your life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to list at least one rule that you know you've been vetoing. One rule, one place where you go, no, no, I, I know what God says. I just said, Pass. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't like that rule. That you would commit today to say, I'm now going to start sowing seeds of righteousness. I'm going to take the rule that I least wanted to obey my Heavenly Father in, 
and make it the one I obey him best in in my life. That would be seeds of righteousness. That would bring a harvest. Let's bow our heads. I'm being honest. I'm, I'm asking you today to consider, <laughs> consider putting that rule down. And so as, before we leave, as we're singing, I, I think you take a moment in your seat and you write down the, the place. You, you, you make it happen today. Dear Lord Jesus, <laughs> the truth is every one of us in this room has been sowing seeds. We've either, we've either been sowing seeds of disobedience, we, we've been looking at moments in our lives and saying, look, I don't like that rule. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna pass on that command of God because it just, I, I don't see the honey in it. Or we've been sowing seeds of righteousness. We've been obeying you in the places, and maybe most especially in the places that we didn't like, and we didn't necessarily see personal benefit in. But we just simply said, if that's what my heavenly Father requires, if that's what God wants from me, I choose to obey. I choose to sow seeds of righteousness in my life and trust that he'll bring a harvest. Trust that he'll bless me for my obedience. And God, I'm just going to ask across this room because there are hundreds of us that need to change the types of seeds we're sowing right now. That today, with real honesty and real integrity in our lives, we'd, we'd fill in these lines and say, this is, this is the day I start sowing new seed. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.